Welcome to MSU Today. Uh, our first guest today is Joe Salem, uh, director of the Michigan State University Library System. And I call it a system because there's really a lot to it than, than many people might expect. But uh, Joe, it's great to have you on the program today. Uh, thanks, Bill. This, it's great to be here. So, so Joe, one of the things that, uh, that I, I think is very interesting is is how libraries continue to evolve over time. Many of us in our youth remember going to a library and there'd be a, a card in a pocket in the back of the book that would get stamped and uh, and you, you'd functionally check out a book and, and that was kind of the library. Um, but, uh, but, but libraries have evolved immensely over the years. And so, so my first question may, may seem a little silly on one hand, but, uh, but I think it, it, it's sort of profound on another. And that is, you know, what is a library today? Well, thanks, Bill. You know, it, it, it's not a silly question at all. I think it's a, it is a profound question. I always think about what we are at our core and, and it helps to explain and keep us grounded as we keep moving forward. You know, at its core, a library has always been the same thing. It, it, a library provides people with the resources they need to, to learn um, either in a structured environment like a university or, or on their own in a public library or, or a special library. So it provides those resources. It provides the space, either physical or, or online space, to, to use those resources to create new information or, or knowledge with those resources. And then this is the really important part. It wraps all that um, uh, with technology and, or, I'm sorry, with expertise. Um, and that can be in the form of technology-enabled uh, expertise or in-person expertise. You get those three things together and any part of it can change over time. Uh, so the actual resources, uh, that's changed greatly. We're uh, increasingly digital first with a lot of our resources, even the information resources. We, we have a pretty good uh, collections budget and a really robust um, uh, collection here. 70% of it is spent on, on digital resources. The space is beautiful here on campus, but it's also really useful online. Uh, what makes it a library is those two components and then having the experts to help you use, find, analyze, and then create with, with whatever you're using. And so as that kind of portfolio of any part of that changes over time, um, it's fun to to see what that impacts as far as the user expectations, where they're interacting with us, what they think of the library. But it's essentially the same mission, and, and it helps us to pick out where do we want to grow and invest and, and continue to move as, as we keep moving forward. As long as we stay grounded in, in that those three essential elements, I think we're going to be fine. Well, in, in my prior role at the university, when I was a vice president and secretary of our board of trustees, from time to time, we'd be doing research on a particular topic and uh, and I'd come across what, what felt to me like uh, an obscure article perhaps or or something that I wasn't sure where to get my hands on. And I'd call over to the library and it seemed as though almost instantaneously sometimes uh, the, the article would, would appear in my inbox. And uh, a, a couple sort of, I think, things to, to note in, in that you know, one is that the library really does an, an extraordinary job of serving people remotely and uh, and working, as you say, you know, so much more digitally now than than one might think of historically uh, in terms of the library of, of their growing up. And uh, so, I think that's particularly relevant, you know, in today's environment, 
uh, where we're we're in the middle of this this pandemic and uh, and remote services and digital services are are so important. So, how could you just talk a little bit about about those kinds of services and how uh, how you're able to to support people? You know, really, almost regardless of where they are around the globe. The remote work, you know, it's it's part of uh, a little bit of a mindset shift. We've been really creating a, a digital library here at MSU well before I got here over the last eh, 10 to 15 years. The mindset shift in the last few months has been, uh, how do we do this digital first or remote first? And I think the university's dealt with that as well. We're in a really good spot to be able to do that, though. So we offer uh, a, what we've traditionally called reference services. We offer that remotely. So uh, users come to our website, students and faculty and staff and community users come to our website. They can ask questions uh, just like they do when they go to any retail website. Uh, they get a help question, a, a little link, and they get to ask questions and get referral to experts if at that frontline um, staff can't answer their questions. Uh, so we're able to provide those services remotely. We always did, but now it's kind of digital first. It's on more pages and it's where we do a lot more referrals. With the digital collections, we were able to provide <clears throat> access to those collections anywhere and all, and all the time. What I think we've really learned over the last few months is how to uh, further integrate that into course courses. Uh, about a year ago, we, we recruited our first open educational resources librarian with the goal of uh, decreasing costs or holding the line on costs for course materials. Uh, that person, Regina Gong, she's nationally known. We we're very lucky to recruit her to MSU. Uh, having her on board months before the, the pandemic really hit was really wonderful because we were already starting to think about library materials and courses. Um, and what does that mean uh, as far as, uh, first of all, open and no cost, but also licensing course materials. So we've been using library materials to do that and thinking digitally first uh, whenever we can. It's a little bit more tricky with, with course materials because that business model still wants to sell individual textbooks to students. But where we can get involved, we've been doing that. And the librarians have been identifying really great resources to do that um, as well. And I've been really encouraged. We've been lucky. The uh, governor's orders allowed us to keep basic operations even as early as, as March. So we have really great units like our um, ILS, our Interlibrary Services Unit, and our Patron Services Unit that um, do take digital requests, and we fulfill a lot of things digitally. But there are some things in some publishing areas where the business model doesn't work for them digitally yet. And so we've been uh, moving a lot of our physical collections around we have a really great service. We always offered it for, to distance learners, and that was defined as anyone 50 miles or more away from the university. Now we've just defined everyone as a distance learner because we all are. And we're shipping books to them with return mailers. And uh, that's been a very popular service. It's been really heavily uh, used, and we anticipate that it will be. And we've been able to do that because our, our um, ILS uh, colleagues never really left the building, and they've been providing that. Uh, some days, as many as 100 books go out uh, on that service. So it's been a lot of digital services, but there have been some um, traditional services that we've just been finding new ways to to meet the need there. Well, and that's, uh, to me, a really interesting point. Um, you know, our, our physical library on Circle Drive and on campus in East Lansing you know, has millions and millions of volumes and, and more digital materials beyond that. But really, when we think of the MSU library, we can think of a library that that is, uh, 
maybe not infinite in scope, but but much much larger than than our physical presence on campus because of the the interlibrary uh, loan arrangements that we have. So, uh, could you just share with us the 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 scope of uh, you know if I come in and I I'm looking for a particular volume that despite our incredible collection at MSU we may not own, uh, you know our library has the ability to you know literally scan the country and and see if another library has that that volume or that article or what what have you uh to 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 get that for us so really although we have uh one library that that physically sits on our campus the 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 network of libraries that we that we consider friends and share materials with is vast it is bill and and that's a, a really great point the um the overall network is vast. The other one that we really want to think about, and, and you um, work with this on the athletic side, is our, our core network, our, our core consortium is the Big Ten. And the Big Ten is not only an amazing uh, conference for, for athletics, it's also an amazing athletic um, association. We recently worked with uh, a group um, called OCLC. It's a, a, work, a group within libraries. And we commissioned a study to look at how the Big Ten could be even more collaborative as far as building collections together and, and sharing those collections. We already do through interlibrary services, but you know, how can we be even more proactive in building those collections together? But in that report, what they found was that among the 14 Big Ten libraries, we already hold about 25% of the scholarship that's uh, published in English. That's remarkable. The North American um, uh, uh, scholarship printed in English, if I, if I remember correctly. That's remarkable, though, if you think about what we have just within that um, media network. And then, obviously, we can request things through interlibrary services, and they come from all around the world. And our group does that. They hunt things down, and they, find, uh, they uh, deliver them. Quite often, they deliver them digitally. Uh, we do it at, at no cost or at the very lowest cost we can to our, our users. Um, it's just, a, it's an amazing service. And the fact that we were able to provide it this entire time throughout the pandemic is actually pretty noteworthy. Much more of our network is coming online. Uh, we're seeing more of our colleagues in, in similar services throughout the Big Ten and other research libraries are getting back into their facilities. But there were many months where we were the only interlibrary services group um, certainly within the Big Ten, providing that that service. So it makes it more challenging sometimes to get uh, materials from other libraries. What we found was when we couldn't find it in another library, we worked with our acquisitions unit, which was also available in the building and really dedicated. We just made purchases to fulfill need for faculty and students. Uh, the real goal is to, to facilitate um, research and, and academic success. And so the dedication of this group and the fact that they really never left uh, has been, I've, I really found it to be inspiring. And it's one of those things where I want to make sure that we, we um, get them what they need to keep their work going because they've been keeping the campus going in some ways. Yeah, no, 25% is, is it really is an extraordinary figure. Uh, Among 14 libraries, it's just re remarkable to me. Yeah, no, it, that's that's really very, very amazing. Uh, and you think about the... Uh, the, the the wealth of information that's printed in in the English language uh, just just extraordinary. So one of the um you know one of the things that I've always found interesting and and I've been visiting the MSU library uh you know really most of my life and uh and and it's fun to 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 walk the halls and and walk through the stacks and see the 
the the just the the extraordinary array of materials available from from the map library to uh, uh, to the uh, our extensive collection in, in things like turf grass and and other areas and you know, each library I think uh, you know, tends to have uh, collections that develop you know, and and really I'm not sure why but uh, but collections that develop in certain areas of strength and obviously at MS at MSU you know, turf grass and, and the agricultural uh, areas have been historic strengths uh, for us over, over you know, 150 plus years. But, uh, but can you talk about some of the, you know, the more interesting collections that, that MSU is, is, uh, is nationally and internationally regarded for? I think it, it might surprise people, for example, that, that MSU has one of the world's great collections of, uh, of cookbooks or, or, of, uh, or of comic books. It's one of the really great parts of my job is talking about our, our collections and our, our kind of noteworthy uh, collections and our areas of strength and, and re- really what distinguishes us from, from other libraries. And that's one of the, the really fun parts of what we get to do at a major research library like MSU's libraries. So we do have some really are, uh, unique areas of expertise. The, the turf grass collection that you mentioned, it's not even uh, kind of fair to say that it's the best in the world. I mean, it's probably the only in in its uh, size and scope and comprehensiveness. Uh, that collection is not only a research collection, but also is used to create the turf grass um, information file. Um, and that's a, a, a really core database and, and research tool used by researchers in the field and in the uh, in that industry. It's hosted at MSU and it's available worldwide and it's highly regarded. Um, it's a it's a really wonderful resource. So that's that's one of our areas of strength and it's certainly an area of distinction and known throughout the world. You mentioned a couple of areas within our special collections. The the cookbook and cookery collection is a, a, a major and noteworthy part of our special collections library. The special collection Library uh, is named uh, after, well, it's not the entire special collections library is not named after, but grew out of our popular culture uh, collection, named after Russell Nye, who uh, was a professor in, in, at MSU and focused a lot on, on popular culture. And we have some really remarkable areas of distinction within that collection. Uh, the major one that you referred to was the comic art collection. So MSU holds the largest publicly held collection of comic books and comic art. It's a certainly a, a, a remarkable area of distinction. We host scholars uh, annually to use that collection. It has been a recruitment tool for uh, for colleagues in other departments, uh, English and history, to be able to use that collection. It's international in scope. Uh, it's just a remarkable, remarkable collection um, uh, built really single-handedly by a really great colleague, Randy Scott, who's the comics, comic art librarian in the library. And so it's pretty, uh, it's pretty, I'll just say it's pretty wild to be the Dean of Libraries uh, with a comic collection like that. It's pretty fun. Um, but we also have kind of under the, the leadership of our new head of special collections, uh, Leslie McRoberts, we've tried to return some of the the uh, special collections library to its roots a bit and focused again on pub, um, popular co- 
culture and popular um, culture collections. We recently received it, um, or uh, purchased and, and acquired. Some of it was purchased and some of it was uh, um, uh, another uh, acquisition um, means. Major collections in posters. Um, we have radicalism posters, counterculture posters. We've recently acquired uh, the Jack Bodner collection, 60s and 70s counterculture and rock posters uh, from the Detroit, Ann Arbor, East Lansing, the, basically Miss, Michigan. So um, rock bands like the MC5, uh, the Stooges, anyone who came through Ann Arbor at that time, um, and major counterculture uh, posters, 25,000 pieces in that collection. And we're, we're still getting uh, through the processing of it because it was acquired during uh, the first pandemic lockdown. So uh, these are areas of distinction. We we're very excited to kind of return that collection. At the same time, Special Collections is a teaching collection. We've been building over the last 10 years or so uh, a really nice collection, a teaching collection of rare books, um, kind of distinctive pieces that get in the hands of students. That's one of the nice things about being at a land grant is all of our collections get in front of students pretty regularly. Uh, they're handled by students in uh, under supervision, but in, in the uh, classroom. And so it's been a, a lot of fun to get to know our collections, to get to know our experts, and to watch students get to benefit from them as well. One of my favorite aspects of special collections, and, and it's based on a, a relationship that I've, uh, that I've been able to develop over, over a number of years, is the, uh, you know, the, 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 the papers of Richard Ford. And uh, you know, Richard is a, an MSU alum, um, a really you know, absolutely wonderful person. And you know, extraordinary talent as as an as an author. I think one of America's great contemporary authors. And uh, and as we, um, you know, and and to me, it's it's uh, yeah, it's interesting to to understand the the craft of writing, and uh, and and how how people edit and edit their work and uh, and think about uh, how they put something on the on the printed page and uh, uh, and collecting. Uh, the the uh, you know the the papers of people like Richard you know I think will uh, you know it, it is to me just fascinating but but it also you know lends itself to the uh, the scholarship of learning that uh, you know that really is what a, what a university is all about and uh, so that's that that was an uh, an entree I had into special collections but but I've always been fascinated by the uh, uh, by the things that uh, you know that our, our university holdings contain both at, at the library, at archives, at, at the, at the museum and elsewhere. One of the, um, I think one of the, one of the most fascinating aspects of the MSU library is uh, a collection that, that isn't at all on paper. Um, but the, that, that is the Vincent voice library. And, uh, you know, as we, as we, as you think about, you know, people of history, um, yeah, you know, we see pictures of people like Franklin Roosevelt or uh, or Thomas Edison, but uh, but we really know what they sounded like, and uh, and so to me the the recordings in the Vincent Voice Library uh, are are just such a unique thing that someone even had the notion to think about it and and assemble a collection is pretty extraordinary. So could you share with our listeners a little bit about that very unique project? Yeah, that's that's a great one too, Bill. Um, I would just note before I, I do, the Richard Ford uh, papers um, uh, are part of a really nice, extensive collection of Michigan writers uh, at Special Collections. Um, and obviously, 
everything we're talking about is somewhere on the library's website, but there's a nice page on the library special collection site listing all the different Michigan writers for whom we have their papers. And um, so I would encourage anyone who's interested to, to uh, stop by that website and, and take a look. But the Vincent Voice Library is a pretty unique collection of uh, exactly that uh, historic uh, recordings, um, news uh, recordings, speeches, and it's not just historic. We've also been involved in oral histories, uh, history on campus, uh, speeches that have taken place, events that have taken place on campus. Um, the history of, of MSU is, caught, uh, is captured in oral history. And it's, uh, it is a really unique collection. And it's, it's one of these where um, it's, it's pretty interesting to me. I, I think many of us are getting more attuned uh, maybe not all of us, to uh, being able to listen and focus on voices, especially in things like podcasting or as we return to listening to conversational radio like this program. Um, but right now, for now, the Vincent Voice Library is focused on um, audio recordings. And so uh, the experience whenever I listen to anything on that is is truly remarkable because I, you do focus on on the voice and what the delivery sounds like and, and how it, how it is effective when you listen to a, a, um, a speech, a historic speech or a political speech in a way that I think uh, sometimes, at least for me, gets a little bit lost when you watch the video and you watch all the other cues. And so it's a, it's just a, another um, pretty fascinating resource that's been collected over years. Um, there's quite a bit of, of materials still being digitized um, and, and always being collected. And it's it's one of these where we're able to partner with researchers on campus when they're doing oral histories. Um, the Vincent Voice Library, depending on the collection scope, is uh, sometimes a destination for, for those recordings. Um, so it's, it's a fascinating, it's truly unique. There are not very many uh, collections like that. So let me ask you a, a, f- a few f- sort of more fun questions to to, to wrap up our time today, um, first, you know, as a librarian, what's what's the most fun part of your job? Things like this are great. Um, I like talking about the the great work we do and um, and uh, the really great work that my colleagues do. So that's really a lot of fun. Um, this will maybe give you a sense of the things that I like to do in my. I guess spare time, whatever that looks like um, nowadays. But um, I really like, I was invited in recently when we received a major collection of, uh, of um, activism posters. And there was an unboxing kind of um, event uh, or just really a few of us who were really excited about them got together and watched the special collections um, staff and, and faculty unbox them. And that was really fun in a way that sometimes if you, I like music. So if I unbox a, uh, um, a new collection or something like that, I, it, it was the same kind of event, although um, it didn't cost me any money directly. So that was a little bit different. It was just kind of fun to see what was in there, the care that was taken in shipping it, some of the notes that were included, and uh, hear the experts in the room talk about what we were receiving and, and what impact it would make for students. And then the other real fun thing, and it's one of these things where admittedly, um, when I go into the library now, it, it, it's something that I, I miss and I um, sometimes it makes me a little bit uh, sad. Um, the energy in a building like that um, with, with students either working together or uh, taking advantage of the expertise around them, the ownership that students uh, feel for the library, especially at MSU, 
the students really love that library and um, you feel that they take care of it. Um, they love what what we do for some of the uh, downtime events. Um, uh, that really carries you through a day. And I always make it a point to uh, try to walk out um, through the through the student um, areas just to kind of see what they're doing and and to kind of feel that energy every day. And um, yeah, I miss that right now. So that that's a lot of the fun that I get to have. You know, for many uh, for many years, my office was located. You know, in in a building in the administration building right next door to the library, and uh, and occasionally on a uh, an afternoon where maybe I'd had a, a bit of a more stressful day than usual, uh, I'd just walk over to the library and uh, maybe just walk around and and explore a little bit, find a, a new area of the library that I hadn't spent much time in, uh, you know, pull a book off the shelf and uh, and just just spend fifteen or twenty minutes roaming around and. You know, it seemed like there was always something fascinating that you could find or new or interesting to just be a bit of a diversion in the day and uh, and and take a little a little break. And uh, it, it's it's to me one of the very most special places on campus that uh, that I've always loved from uh, from my high school days when I'd, I'd go over there to study to, uh, you know, to more recently where I just find a time to, uh, you know, to take a break during the day and, and, and roam around a little bit. So. I can't help but ask a uh, a librarian uh, a final question, uh, and that is, uh, Joe, what's your favorite book? Oh, that that changes all the time, I guess. Um, I I, you know, I guess the easy answer is whatever I'm I'm reading at the time. Um, I just read uh, a really wonderful book called Brother Robert about Robert Johnson, and it was written um, or um, yeah, it was written in uh, in collaboration with. One of his oldest um, living relatives, uh, a half sister, and um, she has to be in her 80s or 90s now. And it was a little bit about his time um, as a, a musician, uh, a lot about his um, uh, time with the family, and then some fascinating parts about the the you know kind of battle over his copyright. And so there's an awful lot there that was really fascinating to me. Um, so I guess it's whatever I'm reading at the time is my favorite book. <laughs> I, I like to take the deep dive on a lot of topics. And lately, um, uh, when I need to unplug from from work, and I think a lot of us need to do that, I've really been returning to a lot of the music and musicians that have fascinated me over time. And Robert Johnson's always been one of them. Joe, it's been a, a delight to have you with us today. Uh, uh, Joe Salem, Dean of Libraries at Michigan State University. And, uh, and and guardian of uh, of one of our most valuable resources, the 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 accumulation of, of intellectual curiosity and and knowledge over the over the decades and centuries that uh, that that becomes a library. And, and and in today's world, not only books on shelves, but but more and more uh, digital materials that are accessible worldwide. And uh, and so I encourage our our listeners to. Uh, to not only explore their local library, but if they have uh, uh, questions, then uh, then Joe and his team of, of really extraordinary people uh, stand ready to, to help. So, Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. It's It's been a real pleasure getting to know a little bit more about the MSU libraries. Thanks, Bill.